Tone Deaf is the journey of a theater nerd, bringing musicals into the life of their musically challenged spouse. This show is rated explicit for mature content and strong language. I'm sorry for me. Spoilers are in every episode, so if you haven't seen the show we are reviewing, you can always check back in later with us. We'll be here when you get back. Binary pals to the Annie versus Annie versus Annie Smackdown, presented by Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. In this first ever Ah event, we will be pitting the three film adaptations of Annie against each other in a no holds barred beatdown. Annie may be a little orphan, but Two Daddy Warbucks are about to lose their child credit. Huh. Okay, I can't do this voice that long. <laughs> Latte's also very excited. So excited. But he's like, I want to be a part of the crowd, Dad. I want to be a part of it. All right, so, yes, today... We are beginning the Annie versus Annie versus Annie Smackdown. I'm Kay. I'm a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren. I'm musically challenged. So, we are going to be getting to our first Annie in a moment. But before we do, I need to give you a little bit of background on the Annie that started it all. Ah, the OG Annie. The, the OG. original Annie. The Annie progenitor. The arcane Annie. The ancient Annie. You don't know how appropriate <laughs> that is. <laughs> Early in the darkest times of the universe, there existed a single Annie. So, um, much like some of the other shows that we've covered, Annie, of course, didn't start as a musical. This one started as a comic strip uh, called Little Orphan Annie. And fun facts, uh, Little Orphan Annie, the comic strip, and Annie, or, and the Raggedy Ann doll allegedly both take their names from this uh, delightful little poem by James Whitcomb Riley written in 1885 called Little Orphant Annie. And, Little Orphant. Yes. And I will read you this poem because it's Fucking crazy. Is that an infant orphan? An orphan? Or is that like an infant? Is that like an infant baby? A baby elephant? I think that what it is is it's like saying orphaned, but with a dialect. So orphant. Mm. Little okay. orphant Annie. So yeah, I guess that could make sense. This poem's fucking crazy. It's uh, little orphant Annie comes to our house to stay and wash the cups and saucers up and brush the crumbs away and shoo the chickens off the porch and dust the hearth and sweep and make the fire and make the bread and earn her board and keep. And all us other children, when the supper things is done, we sit around the kitchen fire and has the mostest fun a-listening to the witch tales that Annie tells about and the goblins that get you if you don't watch out. Once there was a little boy who wouldn't say his prayers, and when he went to bed at night away up the stairs, 
His mammy heard him holler and his daddy heard him bawl. And when they turned the keevers down, he wasn't there at all. And they seeked him in the rafter room and cubby hole and press and seeked him up the chimbley flue and everywheres, I guess. But all they ever founds was his pants and roundabout and the goblins will get you if you don't watch out. And one time, a little girl always laugh and grin and make a fun of everyone and all her blood and kin. And once when they was company and old folks was there, she mocked him and shocked him and said she didn't care. And this does she kicked her heels and turned to run and hide. Uh, they was two great big black things a-standin' by her side, and they snatched her through the ceiling before she knows what she's about. And the goblins will get you if you don't watch out. Just the classic, uh, be the good little shit, otherwise the goblins are gonna get you. Yeah, and little orphan Danny says when the blaze is blue, and the lampwick sputters, and the wind goes woo-woo, and you hear the crickets quit, and the moon is gray, and the lightning bugs as dew is all squitched away. You better mind your parents and your teachers fond and dear, and cherish them that loves you, and dry the orphan's tear. And help the poor and needy ones that clusters all about, or the goblins will get you if you don't watch out. For kids! For kids! And I hope <laughs> listeners enjoyed uh, Latte's foley work in the background. Yes, uh, of the ripping and tearing that the goblins do. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Latte is adding to the atmosphere of the poem. Yes, she is. Who's a good girl? What a good girl. So, uh, if there hadn't been a typo in the publication of that poem at one time, then the musical would have been called Allie, because the original poem was Little Orphan Allie. Hmm. And then there was a publication mix-up, and it came out as Annie, and the rest is history. Little Orphan Annie, Little Orphan Allie. I think Annie sounds Yeah, Annie better. sounds better. And uh, there's going to be some stuff with uh, the cartoonist, which I'm going to get to. Uh, so he, the cartoonist for Little Orphan Annie was Harold Gray, and he allegedly was inspired to write this comic after this meeting of this little girl on the street. He said, I talked to this little kid and liked her right away. She had common sense, knew how to take care of herself. She had to. Her name was Annie. At the time, some 40 strips were using boys as the main characters. Only three were using girls. I chose Annie for mine and made her an orphan, so she'd have no family, no tangling alliances, but freedom to go wherever she pleased. And I... <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That's the true American spirit. That's the true sign of freedom. Fuck having a family and parents. You just go where the wind takes you. Orphans have all the adventure, all the freedom. I cannot wait for you to get into more of this, because I... Huh. I wish Doing... I was an orphan so I could go on adventures. So... Just kidding. Karma, don't you dare. My childhood got a little ruined. <laughs> Am oh, I doing this research? Yes. <laughs> well, our show, our show is nothing if not a series of childhood ruining adventures. Because I did not get into the comics as much, and you know what? I'm gonna really quick show you what you are uh, looking forward to with Annie, real quick with the <laughs> character. The fuck is wrong with whoever drew that? <laughs> what is who? No, no, no! You you don't. Arf. 
you no, you don't you don't you don't draw soulless eyes like that unless your character is pure evil has been possessed by some kind of demon or you're intentionally trying to creep out your audience you 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 you, you give them you give them beady black eyes if you're not going to draw like the whole fucking eyeball you do not give them blank void spaces with no pupil that is not right that is not right that is fucked up i'll put it away now um but so yeah that uh that's what we're working with art style wise and why i didn't really get into the comics in general but also by the time that I was around, Annie was waning in popularity comics-wise, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But, um, yeah, my childhood got a little bit ruined during this research because, you know, I grew up with Annie as the musical and then went, oh, it's a comic. Um, and I didn't know much about the cartoonist. And we're gonna we're going to talk a little bit about him because his views show up in the comics. So the Little Orphan Annie comic was started by Harold Gray in August of 1924. Fuck you, Harold Gray. Oh, just wait. Uh, it was released as a test run for the Chicago Tribune, and the first uh, run of it was started August 5th for the tabloid The New York Daily News, which was owned by the Tribune. It was successful, was picked up by several newspapers after that. Rest is kind of history. So... It goes from being episodic to more serialized pretty, like, relatively quick in its lifespan. By September of 1924, we have our three main characters of the series. Annie, Sandy the dog, and Oliver, Daddy Warbucks. He insists on Annie calling him Daddy. Call me Daddy. No. I don't like it. Um, Call me Daddy. No. Jesus. Uh... (laughs) The in the strip, he is married to the very assholish Mrs. Warbucks, who is the one do, that does like the bringing Annie into their home on a trial basis only. It's not really an adoption thing. It's while Daddy Warbucks is away. Um, I'm lonely, so I want someone to torture while my husband isn't here. It's so fucked up. Like, uh, it, Daddy Warbucks comes back home and just immediately falls in love with Annie as his kid. Like, oh boy, I love this kid, which is so different from the musical. Like, it's completely different from the musical. And Mrs. Warbucks is, like, constantly casting Annie out of the mansion whenever Daddy Warbucks is away because she's this nouveau riche person who thinks Annie's cramping her style and, like... (laughs) Bitch, you brought her there! Yeah, and is, like, upset that Daddy Warbucks is so into this kid, and she's just such a bitch. And uh, whenever Daddy Warbucks leaves, then she gets cast out, and then Annie gets reunited with him when he comes back after she's had adventures dealing with, like, criminals and shit. And that's kind of the formula. (laughs) No, seriously. (laughs) <laughs> that is... Annie goes to Riften and, and joins the Thieves Guild and goes on a wacky adventure to... You're not too far off. <laughs> oh, God. And... Now I'm just like, okay, new Skyrim playthrough. Need to stream. Create an orphan Annie character. 
You do that while I do my Barry Blue Jeans art. It'll be great. <laughs> oh, man. Leaping lizards. <laughs> so, um, like, that's that's the formula for the next little bit. And then we have the stock market crash of 1929 happening, and Gray is barely affected by it. Like, he does fine. He doesn't see what the big deal's about. Um, cause the comic is super popular and it starts spawning radio shows. Boy. See, drink more Ovaltine from a Christmas story. Doesn't that just summarize things? It's like, I don't know what everybody's worrying about. I'm doing fine. Oh my God. Like, That's just, <laughs> I will get more into it, but I hate this, this guy already. Motherfucker, I hate him this already. Motherfucker. I fucking hate him. Uh, it spawns a couple of movies and then by 1935, the series takes a really weird fucking turn with the introduction of Punjab. What? An Indian guy who's eight feet tall, wields a sword, wears a turban, and things start to get super fucking weird and mystical. Now, now, Punjab. Yes. That just sounds like a really weird way of just saying sex. Like, I mean, because you got hand job, you got blown job, hand <laughs> job, poon job. No, it's spelled P-U-N-J-A-B. Mm. Like, he is he is stereotypical as fuck. Like, the, again, this is the 30s. Um, and this is the thirties yeah. where it was totally okay to be as racist as possible. Because... Oh my God. It gets so bad. And like, instead of Annie just getting kidnapped by criminal of the week, it becomes like, Puncha... <laughs> wait, wait, <laughs> Annie getting kidnapped over and over. Cause they were just like, Oh, we're going to ransom you to daddy Warbucks. Yeah. And... yeah. That's pretty much the thing. Like after about the thirties, she starts being kidnapped every week. And having all these weird things happen, and then, like, it becomes Punjab has to use his magic blanket to send someone to a different plane of existence. Because mysticism, all Indian people have mysticism, right? It's the 1930s. That's what we think. Yeah, I think if they did, their their little uh, escapades with the British would have gone differently. I just, I, I, and, oh my god, like, uh, so we have Punjab, who's weird. We have Mr. Am, who might be God, getting introduced, who's like a friend of Daddy Warbucks and has lived like millions of years and of has course. a Santa Claus beard and shit. And of he course has the rich guy is friend of God. Yeah. And then we can introduce to Asp, who is an East Asian amalgam, who's also a product of the 30s. Like, this is where we're at. This is where we're fucking at. And then FDR gets elected. And the series goes even more political because Howard Gray is a conservative Republican in the 30s. Okay. Who also believed that the poor should just keep working hard because t capitalism totally works, you guys. Ah, uh, yes. dear God, the yes. New Deal is like a socialist nightmare. Ah, and... <laughs> mm -hmm. yep. yeah. Yep, yeah. that all tracks. And Daddy Warbucks essentially becomes the author's mouthpiece and ends up getting killed off when FDR gets elected for the final time because for now, the final time yeah because FDR oh was sorry the one who... I thought you meant uh, 
Daddy Warbox got killed off for the final oh, time. I was no, just no, sitting no. here like, is Poonjob bringing him back using his Indian necromancy with his blanket? Like, what? <laughs> Don't no. you worry, I'll just put my blanket over Jesus his corpse Christ. and bring him back to life, Annie. Jesus. No, so what happens is, like, FDR gets elected for the fourth time, and so fucking Howard Gray goes, okay, you know what? I'm gonna have this whole, like, emo as fuck drawn out death for daddy warbucks where he's just dying of destitution because he lost all of his fucking money and he's just dying of the fact that oh, oh fdr got oh, elected and wait there's, so there's so, no need for people like me so anymore the rich guy wasn't able to pull himself up by his bootstraps and <laughs> well, and, and, and reinvent that's... something and and use the great gift of capitalism and, to make a name for himself yeah. again and reclaim his riches? He and, wasn't able to do that? Huh. And that's the thing about Daddy Warbucks, too, is that his backstory for the comics, he was like this poor dude from Hell's Kitchen who became a billionaire. and Or not a billionaire, a millionaire. And um, in the movie, he's going to be from Liverpool, England, but still poor guy that goes from rags to riches self-made man story. yeah self-made man story and so that's kind of his idealism of capitalism is that you're self-made man bah, bah, bah. anybody who's willing to work hard enough yeah. can achieve and be yeah tell that to every single broke-ass worker who has worked mm-hmm. their entire life yeah 60 plus hours yeah. a week and so uh f FDR gets elected, Daddy Warbucks gets killed off, and then, uh, like, gets elected for the fourth time. And then FDR, uh, just to jump a little bit ahead, FDR dies, Daddy Warbucks comes back to life, and it turns out he was in a coma all along. <laughs> yeah. It, fucking Gray. Uh, he, Gray also drew the ire of the labor movements, because... I wonder why. In his words, a little work never hurt any kid. Oh, that's fantastic. He goes on to say... He's probably against things like public school and stuff, too. One of of the things he goes on to say is one of the reasons we have so much juvenile delinquency is that kids are forced by law to loaf around on street corners and get into trouble. Forced by law to loaf around on street corners. Yeah, 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 yeah. Seriously. And it gets worse. So... Where is he buried? I didn't look. Hmm. We need to take a road trip. And, so, uh, yeah. During World War II, Annie gets used for scrap metal drives with the Annie's Junior Commandos group of scrap metal collecting friends who were integrated before the U.S. Army was. Well, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This drew the ire of Southern readers and... <laughs> Of course it did. And Gray assured them he was not into integration, or as he said, breaking the color line. It was just that, you know, Annie loves everyone, and this is merely a casual gesture towards a large block of readers. Everybody should be able to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and work hard, except oh, white people. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. We, anybody not white needs, needs to, can't, no, no, we gotta keep yeah. them over there. And they had just one black kid in the group, and that 
freaked the fuck out of the Southerners. And he was just like, oh, no, no, no. I don't want, I don't want people to think that I'm into integration. (laughs) Anyway, like it goes on and on. Like they, they tackle communism. They tackle the nuclear bomb. Uh, It's, it's such a, it's so fucking weird. And there's one period of time where the storyline got a little bit too violent for the newspapers. He legit had to cancel that storyline and do a new one. Was Annie luring hobos into dark corners and killing them and selling their organs because that's just smart capitalism? They weren't using them. They're just leeches on society. Those organs can go to use on some productive member. He also was a fan of... uh, People taking the law into their own hands. Vigilanteism. And uh, lynching folks like oh criminals. God. Not like, it, he didn't say lynching black people. It was lynching criminals. And he thought that, you know, the criminal justice system just didn't go too far. Or well, didn't go far enough. Uh-huh. And, and it probably like, wasn't fast enough. It was no. probably They probably had to wait for things like evidence and trials yeah, and representation. Yeah. Like any any criminal that took on, that kidnapped Annie... It, the comeuppance was swift, and it was usually brought on by asp or punjab. Yeah, yeah, and it, oh my god! So the series goes on <laughs> after Gray's death in nineteen sixty-eight, and the characters go through some changes. Hey Gray, I'm glad you're dead, you <laughs> asshole. Especially after the musical, uh, there are changes because the musical tones the fuck down out of everything yes. like real yeah. yeah you know what my passing knowledge of the musical is <laughs> it's a hard knock life not hey punjab what, what motherfucker are we gonna kill this week we'll get to that um <laughs> so uh we we have also like uh the art style changing at times from different writers and uh, we, we have like the cartoon, the art become more cartoony, but we still have our creepy pupilless child. Um, and then we start getting decades of lagging readership. A lot of papers are dropping the series to the point where the strip is finally canceled on May 13th. Guess what year? Let's see. He died in 68. Mm-hmm. May 13th, 19... Oh, if he died in 68. Mm, 1979. 2010. What? Yes, it went till 2010. Wow. Yes, and it ends on a cliffhanger where Annie gets kidnapped a fucking gen, and this time, after dealing with, like, the FBI and Interpol and shit, Daddy Warbucks is starting to believe he may never see her alive again. And meanwhile, Annie is being told by her captor that he's not going to kill her, but instead she gets to have a life with him forever. And eventually they decided to resolve the strip by uh, doing a crossover with Dick Tracy, which has also been going on forever. But man, the comic strip is such a fucking ride from start to finish. So that's your background of how did this become a musical because it was so fucking popular at the time like before uh, gray's death it was popular as fuck even before like the 70s and 80s it was popular 
I mean, it's popular enough to be in a Christmas story with the little orphan Annie decoder ring. Like, that's from this. Because that was a thing. <laughs> I'm just... I'm, I'm just... Maybe I don't know nearly enough about the musical. And when we get into the musical, it'll be like, oh, here's some context I never knew. Because I've seen the other... Yeah, Annie, you've seen the, the 2014 the, one. The 2014 one. Mm-hmm. I mean, that one was pretty fucking wholesome. There was a... Uh, yeah, yeah. You know. No, the comic strip was basically little orphan Annie. She lives in an orphanage and then gets adopted. And then it's, this week she got kidnapped, but it's okay. She's a plucky little kid and look at her go on these adventures. And now she's reunited with Daddy Warbucks. Then she gets kidnapped again. And then Punjab comes over and uses his magic blanket. And then she's reunited with her daddy again. And now she gets kidnapped again. And then ba 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 And like while Daddy Warbucks was dead, she was living with a woman called, I shit you not, Mrs. Bleating Heart. And she was just abusive as fuck to Annie. And that's where the, the orphanage... Uh, the orphanage actually comes from the very start with Miss Asthma. Miss who Asthma. Who was the leader of the orphan... Or, not leader of the orphanage, but, like, the the uh, guardian of all these girls. And um, the, that's where you get your tales from the orphanage. But, like, she doesn't spend that much time in the orphanage. You, the musical pretty much just covers the first, like, three months of the comic. If that, and even then, characters are changed, (laughs) like, so drastically. Like, Mrs. Warbucks, not in this at all. Uh, Miss Asthma is replaced by Miss Hannigan, who's more like what the Bleeding Heart character is, but not really, because she's just as unscrupulous of, like, it's, it's, fucking weird but i wanted you to have the background on what this musical is based on so that you could see what's in the dna and (laughs) just how transformative of a work the musical is thank fucking christ yeah the musical is like a this the musical is a okay but this is a real life au for all of you fan fiction (laughs) folks um so i I want to do an episode on the stage musical ex- itself, but I won't go too much into it on this episode other than to say the musical premiered in 1977. The original music was written by Charles Strauss, lyrics by Martin Sharman. The book was written by Thomas Meehan and Punjab and Asp are not in the stage musical. What? Or in the 1999 or 2014 films. What? 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 They are, however. No. In the one we'll be watching today. What? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Which which one are we watching today again? The 1982 version. 82. Yes. Okay. So, there are going to be some big-ass differences between this film and the original, original musical. Um... Some songs were cut, some of them being ones that I really fucking like. The climax of the film takes place on the 4th of July so that we can have our stupid sky booms. Is it a Poondah? Is it a, a Punjab? Poon? Is it that? God damn it, Warren. Is it a Punjab climax? Jesus Christ. 
<sighs> the the musical's climax happens around Christmas. The aforementioned Punjab and Asp are put into the show, which I still sit here and because I, I remember being a kid watching it, and that was the thing that I was like, "This feels wrong. <laughs> this feels a little wrong, and it's not as bad as it could have been, but <laughs> it still feels really wrong." Um. We have a couple of new songs called Dumb Dog, we have Sandy, we have Let's Go to the Movies, we have Sign, and we have We Got Annie. Those are all added. Uh, the film's directed by John Huston, who you can probably remember from Desaad with Kier DeLay, because I gotta make that connection wherever I can. And the screenplay was written by Carol Sobieski. And Martin Sharman, the lyricist for the original musical, fucking hates this movie. <laughs> he he hated what this movie did with the musical, and it's been long enough since I've last seen this version that I'm probably about to have my childhood destroyed even more. Because <laughs> fun fact, this is one of the shows that got me into acting classes. Because I really wanted to be an Annie, even though this was like 1996 and there were no black Annies yet. So I was like, okay, I won't be Annie, but I want to be in the show on Broadway because Hard Knock Life fucking slaps. And they had done like a, a audition around the state and it was before I had ever done any acting classes. And I, I didn't know like what it took to even get that far. So I saw that on the news they had that audition and I was just like... I'm never going to make it onto Broadway. I'm getting old. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sure in my mind it was like, I'm getting past the point where I'm a cute little kid and no one will cast me if I'm not cute. <laughs> Fair. And uh, it was, it was you know, silly, silly kid stuff like that. So the movie has plenty of differences from the stage show, and I absolutely would have loved to do the stage show first. But even though there's a production being done locally soon, Rona is still a thing here, and I don't want to add to the growing case count, because even though we're vaccinated, there have been enough breakthrough cases that I'm like, fuck going out of the house again. I'll wait till this shit blows over. Mm -hmm. I've got a garden. I can grow my own food. I can learn how to shoot a bow and arrow and get myself some quail. I'm okay with that. <laughs> we don't need to go nowhere. <laughs> so we're going to be seeing a lot of tone-deaf alumni in this one. So we have Carol Burnett from Once Upon a Mattress. She's going to be Miss Hannigan. Tim Frankenfurter Curry is her brother, Rooster. Bernadette, now four-time tone-deaf alumnus, Peters, is Rooster's girlfriend, Yay! Lily. Yes. Uh, we have Jeffrey William Shakespeare from Dr. Doolittle Holder as Punjab. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, we also will have our first film where we see the late Anne Reinking, a brilliant actress, dancer, choreographer. Uh, she did uh, a lot of like Fosse shows and stuff, and I'm going to try to find... Oh, she was a find... Fosse girl. She was a Fosse girl, and I'm going to try really hard to find something, like a, a production of something that she was in so that you can see her. So does that mean this version of Annie has a lot of hip thrusting no. and is very sexualized? no. No, uh, this version of Annie... It's a hard knock So life. No, no, uh, but... <laughs> children are in this. <laughs> She'll be playing Grace, who's the love interest of Daddy Warbucks, who oh, is... Oh, no, no, Grace. And... <laughs> Grace. Um, 
<laughs> she's nothing like uh, Daddy Warbucks' wa- wife in the comics because Grace doesn't even exist in the comics. Mm. Um, the budget for this movie was about thirty-five million dollars. Box office came back at fifty-seven million. Okay, uh, profitable. Critically, it was mostly meh to nah. And Eileen Quinn, the actress who played Annie, got both the Best Young Motion Picture Actress Young Artist Award and the Golden Raspberry's Worst Supporting Actress. Wait, what? A paradox, a paradox, uh, a most ingenious paradox. Ha, 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 ha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. In fact, this one's nominated for quite a few Razzies. We have Worst Picture, Ray Stark, Worst Director, John Huston, Worst Screenplay, Carol Sobieski, and Worst Star, I, or Worst New Star, Eileen Quinn. Mm. All nominations. The more I look into this, the more I am afraid for my childhood. Because <laughs> I don't remember it being this bad. Because mm. I watched the fuck out of this as a kid. Mm. <laughs> I wonder if it'll join the Balefire Awards. I guess we'll have to wait right? and see. I'm like sitting here going, oh no! <laughs> oh no! My innocence! My childhood! gonna have to go back in time to baby k and and just hand the dvd of the 2014 one and a dvd player and a tv that can handle i was gonna say and then an adapter to connect (laughs) why are you handing me all of this what is just watch this version what's this shiny cookie disc oh it's a cd no it's not a cd is it a cd rom oh my goodness is this an interactive game no, sweetheart, it's 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 called a DVD. This is what that VHS is going to become later. Oh, it'll have bonus features. Do you want bonus features? <laughs> <laughs> You'll never have to rewind again. Never again. You know that be kind rewind thing? It's gone forever. Do I just take this to Blockbuster when I'm done with it? <laughs> Sweetie, it's yours. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so are we ready to have one of my favorite movies as a child possibly looked at with a new light? I... (laughs) (laughs) Forgive me for this joke. (laughs) I'm ready to do a hot and stinky poon job. Stinky, stinky and hot. And I may have been pronouncing it wrong. I just feel horrible saying Punjab because Punjab is like, I, I, it's, it's Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Punjab makes me sound like some redneck asshole. Just, hey, that's a Punjab. It could sound like a Yankee asshole like me. Anyway, let's uh let's watch this and have my childhood shattered. I'm excited to watch your childhood crumble before my eyes. <sighs> let's go. Yay! Hey Warren. Hey Kay. Do you know what time it is? Is it time to thank our Patreon sponsors? It is! Woo! We would like to thank our stage crew sponsors, Jeff, 
Reagan and Jasmine Wu. And our producer circle sponsors, Jesse, Bianucci, and Taylor Brandt. Thank you all so much for your continued support of our show. We truly appreciate it. Greetings, listeners, domestic, international, and extraterrestrial. I'm Dave Reed. And I'm Kristen Riley, and this is The Cast Files. The Cast Files is a podcast where we watch and discuss every episode of The X-Files spoiler-free. I know that there's a Mulder and a Scully. Yes. And uh, Mulder believes and the Scully does not. (laughs) Do you know which is which? What a large leap in logic. Scully is a medical doctor who has been working with the FBI for about two years. Mulder is an Oxford-educated psychologist who once was the best analyst in the violent crime section. Goddamn, he's so handsome. (laughs) We haven't seen even one man's nipple. That's not my husband. Those aren't his shoes. (laughs) I'm definitely a spy. Okay, but who hasn't joined the occult at 12? I have uh, neglected to mention that there's a bathroom troll. I don't have buckles on this chaos suit. (laughs) If if we get 100,000 subscribers, I'll get that tattooed on me. (laughs) Now, the lights are going down and the music's starting back up, so let's head back to the second act of our show. Well, Warren? Well, Kay? What did you think of, uh... One of the most formative movies in my childhood that I'm now sitting here going, huh. Uh, we can all be forgiven as children yeah. for things that we like because yeah. our brains are still developing and, uh, you know, we haven't become the people that we will be. This is true. And, you know, uh, there, there's there's cute stuff mm-hmm. in this. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's... Not the worst thing ever to happen. No, to no, movie musicals. no, not it's not by a long shot. No, um, it's very middling. Mm-hmm. It's very mm-hmm. three out of five, five out of ten territory. Yeah, well, three out of five, maybe like a six out of ten. Mm-hmm. I would say it's very middling. It made me want to say fuck it to the Rona and go see the stage version that's gonna be done in town in a couple of weeks because uh the stage version is so much better than this and i am sorry that this is your second introduction to this show i'm glad that your first was the 2014 one you know me too which we'll cover in a couple of weeks but Uh, because for well for one when i see a terrible show and i hear you know positive things about it somewhere else in the the the, the greater theater cosmos mm-hmm. i always of course want to see that you know i want to see a better representation of it yeah especially when i'm going to be harsh towards something because mm-hmm. i didn't like it yeah you know it, ma- it makes me think of the grinch the yes. Grinch show that we saw. yes kind of thing like i would like to see a better version of that mm-hmm. just to see a better version of that yes uh uh and with this one, I have seen a better version of it. Mm-hmm. Granted, it's a very it's it's a modernized telling of it. Oh, absolutely. Versus one that's supposed to take place, you know, Depression era. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I am excited to see a better a better version of the original. <laughs> yeah, which we'll we'll be covering another version that's closer to the source material, like the musical source material, not the 
comic source material mm-hmm. next week. But, but yeah. Yeah. So, shall we get into it? Let's get into it, baby. Mm, yeah, let's get into that poon job. Jesus. Um, Annie, the 1982 musical movie, motion musical picture. Uh, we open up with the credits, of course, and singing about being on a uh, betting on your bottom dollar that tomorrow is only a day away, <laughs> which seems like a pretty safe bet to me. Anyways, <laughs> the opening is done, and we see the Hudson Street home for girls and a sad girl singing about her future parents and the things they might be doing without her. This poor sad orphan just speculates while looking at a 1980s skyline, even though Kay (laughs) just told me that this is most definitely supposed to be Depression Era since FDR is in it. Good fuck up there, movie. Oh my god, it makes me so mad, because, like, other things they try to keep to the, uh general feel of the 30s but that just takes you completely out of it like what's funny about it too is it's supposed to be new york 1930s new york but they're they're somewhere else on the east coast Mm -hmm. and they're like what looks like 1930s new york i know uh 1980s boston or some shit (laughs) like wherever else they are because they're not in new york yeah they did i think they designed sets for most of it but I'm talking about the, the skyline. Oh, the skyline, the skyline is how, New York. Like, is it? I yep. don't see anything that look like New York. You have Empire State Building up there. Was there? I was yep. looking for the World Trade Center, but I guess maybe they weren't built then. They were built, but there were angles that you could get that don't have it in there. Because the World Trade Center is sort of the marker of when your movie is taking place if Mm -hmm. it's between 1973 and 2001 (laughs) the trade center will be there Mm. if it's before 73 it won't if it's after 2001 it won't that's fair empire state building though yeah so okay so if i i just guess i missed that no i just remember looking at it going this is not a 1930s skyline no it's very much not because they had the floodlights that Uh are not there at the time and they had office buildings that were not of a 30s design and And not everybody had electricity in 1930 either like new york i would say new york city had more but not that type like the bulbs wouldn't be the they fluorescent They had that old-timey electricity, bulbs. the kind that really burned your eyes yeah, when you had... turned it on to the house. Yeah, they they wouldn't have fluorescent lights, and you can see fluorescent lights through the windows of some of the shots. It's really distracting. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it is. If you're going to do an establishing shot, folks, make sure that it is period appropriate please know what it kind of reminded me of to an extent is uh jesus christ superstar the movie version how it's like we're in the modern setting but we're not in the modern setting but we're in the modern setting i don't know what the fuck the deal was with that movie because with this one they tried so hard to keep it all the same but they had to do that fucking establishment establishing shot and it's like you could have done that through models too and it would have been fine because there are mm-hmm. a few moments where like towards the end they're helicoptering over obvious models yeah yeah <laughs> and it's like... i remember looking at those parts being like yeah those look like 1930s 
yeah. Holmes. Yeah, yeah. but uh, Jesus Christ movie. But anyway, John Huston, what the fuck? Yeah, bad John Huston. Anyways, Annie's singing wakes up one of the other orphans who just starts crying, Annie, 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 over and over. Annie goes to comfort the crybaby, and the other kids are like, Shut her up! She's keeping us all up! And they fucking shit... They... They, they, <laughs> they beat the shit out of the crying girl. Until Annie steps in and is like, I will fuck up your already fucked up faces! Now fuck off! And the bullies <laughs> fuck off. Annie then goes to uh, back to comforting the crying baby, all while the girls look on longingly at the descriptions Annie spins with her song about this maybe family somewhere out there who seems to be a representation of the family that they all want. Mm -hmm. And who, who, I ask you, should come in to drunkenly yell and abuse the children? Why, it's Miss Hannigan, of course, who, by the sounds of it, is working on her second bottle of vodka because uh, <laughs> she's way too drunk for how far she's into that current bottle that she's holding. Anyways, since the kids are up and singing, she decides to make them clean the whole orphanage from top to bottom, and it better be shining by breakfast. The kids set out to sing, It's a hard knock life, while clinging, uh, clinging, cleaning to, uh, some horror movie music in the background. <laughs> Seriously, go listen to this part of the movie. There is some serious stabby vibes coming from the early part of this music. Like, holy fuck. Like, it lightens up, but it starts off with very ee, 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 ee vibes. I'll never hear that the same way again now. I was listening to it. I'm like, this, this is a... Like, this is a horror movie. This is starting out like not... Which one of these kids is going to die first? Like, it's a hard knock life for us. Oh, it's God. a hard knock life. There you life go. There's an Annie reboot. A dark, us. gritty Annie reboot that's about orphans who are like, If we don't get to have parents, no, no one, one gets can. to have parents. <laughs> there we go. We just need to write it. <laughs> anyways the kids are cleaning and crying over peeling onions in the kitchen the kids then go feral and tear open some pillows effectively making more work for themselves I yeah think that's the... a weird decision on the part of the yeah right I think the constant mistreatment and lack of sleep and overall nourishment is causing them to lose their minds mm -hmm. Annie jumps into dirty laundry and is smuggled out by the kids, just in time for Chinese laundry. And uh, Hannigan tries to fuck Mr. Bundles. Is it Bundles? Yes, yeah. Mr. Mr. Bundles, Bundles. The laundryman right in front of the children. But Mr. Bundles repels the horrible Hannigan and helps smuggle Annie away. My God. Hannigan, side note, Hannigan tries to fuck just about every guy she yeah, encounters in yeah, this. Yeah, it is. She is Horny, which is fine. Be horny, Hannigan. But, but man, like, like, but I, I, even compared to like <laughs> the stage show and the 2014 one, Jesus Christ, Miss Hannigan. <laughs> she, she's not just giving it away. It's a fire sale. Everything she must go. Fucking makes out with the radio later. Like, what the mm. shit? Was well, because her advance. 
Her I advances could... on everyone else have, have gone unfulfilled, uh, so the radio is there for her. So I have not seen this since I was a child. <laughs> <laughs> Rewatching this as an adult has been such an eye-opening <laughs> childhood-ruining experience. I'm glad I <laughs> could share it with you and be a part of it. I have realized that, you know, there's there's... A lot of folks who say, you know what kind of person you are by what your first Tim Curry film was. <laughs> if it was Clue, if it was Rocky Horror Picture Show, if it was Fern Gully, and I'm going to throw in a fourth. Annie. Annie. Because I, I realized watching this, that was my first Tim Curry movie. I don't know if mine was Clue or if it was Fern Gully. Yeah. But it was one of those two. Yeah, I'm I'm just now realizing that I'm pretty sure it was this. I think that I saw this before I saw Fern Gully. Creepy, but I would have to look at the release date of Fern Gully. Creepy pencil stash, child murdering Tim yeah. Curry. So it's it's one uh-huh, of those uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, a fifth one, it. Yeah, let's <laughs> if it be, was your first. I don't feel like any child should be growing up watching it. It's true. I feel if Rocky Horror Picture I, Show, Warren, <laughs> that's fair. also in the list. Fair. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, I guess we're talking about what is the relative quanti- qualifying terms for child? Like what? <laughs> I'm thinking ten and younger. I've I've known some folks who saw Rocky Horror Picture Show at very young ages, I and I was young. like, <laughs> it probably is a little young. I mean, yeah, a little I mean, young for you. I mean, I mean. T- teach their own but i mean i guess it depends on the person yeah yeah but yeah so you know i i don't think i would have been able to understand what i was seeing if i had seen rocky hey i saw it as a 30 plus year old man <laughs> and i wasn't quite sure what i was seeing so, i can oh. only imagine what what little warren would have been going through had i seen <laughs> That, uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so. Annie, digress. <laughs> yes. After Annie escapes the orphanage via Chinese laundry smuggling service, Annie starts whistling on the streets, and a cop is like, wait, is that a disheveled orphan showing joy? I can't have that. And he chases after Annie. Protect and serve. Nightstick out, planning to beat the joy out of her and rem- remind that dirt orphan her place in society. Ah, protecting and serving. Such a noble profession. God damn. Anyways, Annie hides in with some nuns and evades the fuzz. Those were not nuns. Oh. Those were uh, Orthodox Jewish men. (laughs) So, clarification on my part. I only saw... The, the waist down when Annie was hiding behind them. And so I saw long black, like three long black uh, robes, and I thought nuns. So, my bad. <laughs> I would like the audience to know that I, in fact, while being musically challenged and often forgetting the names and faces of actors, I can tell the difference between Orthodox Jewish rabbis and nuns. That is a skill I do possess. Oh, Jesus Christ! Thank you for this public service warrant announcement. Uh, Holy fuck! So, Annie hides with some not nuns and evades the fuzz. 
Just like in Assassin's Creed or Orphan's Creed. Oh my god, Ubisoft, you guys are missing out on a brand new IP. <laughs> wait, Orphan's wait, wait. Orphan's Creed. So, okay. So, so instead of Ezio. <laughs> Anio. I don't know. But yes, because like in, in Assassin's Creed, you could like, since your guy was in white, you could like hide out with like priests who mm-hmm. were like walking the streets and praying and you could just like, you know, hide out among them and stuff like that and go undetected. Man. Yeah. So, so Annie, Annie is an assassin in training. She didn't do nearly enough parkour. Move through the crowd. You are a blade in the crowd. Uh, so would Sandy be her animal companion that you could use an exploit to have her, uh, have a pacifist only playthrough by having Sandy kill everybody for her? So it, it depends. Kind of like in Odyssey. In Odyssey with the eagle. Uh-huh. Um... Or would it be a pigeon? I would think it would be Sandy <laughs> for canon, but it's also New York. Uh, you, you know, it, it could be kind of like, in, it could be, I don't think it would be as effective since uh, dogs don't have the maneuverability that no. eagles do. Uh, but but yeah, the dog could be a, a, a companion to, you know, at least like help in combat, you know, mm-hmm. maybe do distractions and stuff like that. Like you tell your pet to go over there and, and pee on a guard and then the guard chases <laughs> the dog and then you can sneak into where you were trying to go yeah but yeah so there we go ubisoft you guys got a free id a free ip (laughs) idea anyways annie hears the shrieks of the dog and is being here's the shrieks of a dog that is being attacked by some shitty street rats and annie goes to kick the shit out of all of them and save the dog she then proceeds to sing about how this dog is a dumb dog dumber than usual wow like fuck annie that's cold you save the dog and then you're like what a dumb dog go away you dumb dog yeah this song is not in the stage play like it's huh i man re-watching this after not having watched it since i was a child but having watched the stage version and other versions more recently i'm just sitting here like what the fuck there's a there jesus christ like it's there's some really mean spirited moments and that's one of them there's there's some good cute stuff in this movie but we're not to it yet no no (laughs) it takes a long time and i forgot about it really does and so uh yeah so annie is just belittling this dog and doesn't give a fuck about it until the dog catcher shows up to snatch the dog then suddenly annie can't live without the dog please oh please don't take the dog my father's blind and he uses the dog to take him to work and if you take the dog we're all gonna starve (laughs) and annie begs and begs the dog catcher not to take poor um um sandy yeah sandy's the dog's name and the dog catcher tells annie to call to the dog by its name and see if it comes to her which after many attempts the dog does answer to the name sandy and the dog catcher lets annie take sandy but annie's moment of triumph is swept away by the child catcher who (laughs) who protects and serves by taking this dirty filthy orphan back to this wonderful loving miss hannigan who basically i fucks the cop right in front of the orphanage or would have if she wasn't teased by one of her orphans because she's like getting all up on the cop like how can i ever repay you and he's like i think we can uh, decide something if we 
put our heads together. <clears throat> I use this nightstick for more than just beating orphans. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to make a joke about me using the term child catcher. Yes, I, know I was. The child catcher exists in some media. I don't remember what chitty, it is. Chitty, chitty, bang, bang. Chitty, yeah, and it I... is the most scarring thing. Oh, oh, that's right. That's right. Chitty, chitty, bang, bang's a musical, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we'll do it eventually. Yeah. Yeah, for people out there who are just like, how has Warren not seen these culturally iconic <laughs> bits of media? Yeah, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang I haven't seen either. Wait, what? Yeah, oh yeah, I thought you knew this. No! Yeah, I haven't oh my seen God. I haven't seen Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. The only thing I know of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang is the, oh, you, Pretty Chitty Bang Bang, Pretty Chitty Bang Bang, we love you. And our Pretty Chitty Bang Bang, Pretty Chitty Bang Bang loves us too. That's all I know. That's all I know. Anyway, is Chitty Chitty Bang Bang a flying car? Yes, but yeah. holy shit. Yeah. I. Okay, I've got to go back through the schedule and change things <laughs> up. Oh my god. We would have watched that sooner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have failed. No, you. It's not that you have failed, it's that you've underestimated my failure. Holy shit. I can't believe you've never seen that one. Nope. So, while Annie is welcomed back by the rest of the orphans, they see the smuggled dog and sing about what the name could be for this shitty, gross, disgusting, <laughs> stupid dog. Man, these kids are beating down this poor dog. After the song, Miss Hannigan comes in to give Annie her beating and says that she's sending the dog to the sausage factory. Things look grim, but take an upswing as Grace Farrell shows up, courtesy of Big Daddy Warbucks, who wants to send an or who wants to select an orphan and show them the good life for a week before dumping them back in the gutter. Just like a true Republican. <laughs> Anyways, Annie is able to use her crafty street smarts to get Grace to take her to Warbucks, and Sandy too, because of the aforementioned sausage-making threat. Annie says goodbye to all the other orphans and says that she'll bring them gifts from the rich man. Annie makes it to the Warbucks estate, which is a big and fancy as fuck mansion, and she gets to meet Punjab, who does this mystical hand-waving and calms Sandy's erratic barking. Jesus. The rest of the house greets Grace, who proceeds to be like, Is this done? Is that done? What about this and that? And that and this? And everyone falls in line as, and is introduced to Annie, who thinks that she's being brought here to work for her keep. But then they all sing to her about how Annie is now living the high life and gets to live like a princess for a week before being dumped back in the gutter. And Annie is like, this house is freaking sweet. My God, this house is freaking sweet. The song ends and an alarm sounds and everyone falls into place as Big Daddy Warbucks shows up to be like, I don't like this Mona Lisa painting that I ordered. Send it back. Wait, no, put it in the bathroom. I want her to watch me while I shit. <laughs> then Daddy Warbucks starts to sniff and sniff and he sniffs out a wet dog and is like, what the fuck is this all about? And Annie enters the scene to charm the fuck out of Warbucks. 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 Well, I mean, I guess not charm. Yeah, Warbucks. God damn it. It's the name of, like, attack parrots. Send in the Warbucks! No, no, one chickens. Of the, one of the chickens is going to be named Warbucks now. And this here is Big Daddy Warbucks. 
<laughs> but aren't chickens girl Big Daddy Warbucks? <laughs> aren't you Big Daddy Warbucks? <laughs> Anyways, yes. So she doesn't charm Warbucks as much as manipulate him into not sending her away in exchange for an orphan boy. Warbucks is like, fine, whatever. I don't give a shit. This is all for my image because people think I'm an asshole for some reason. Annie marches off. Annie's uh, charisma rolls just always. Nat- She's just always doing 20s on her charisma checks. You know? Just always. She... <laughs> I think the only reason that she, she, it must be that. It must be that she has unusually high luck because she has the uh, the ginger negative multiplier kind of thing. So she should get minus one from all of her charisma checks. But but she's a halfling, so she gets an extra roll. Like ah, anytime she rolls a there, one. There you go. It's... She gets to re-roll. Yeah. She has advantage on mm-hmm. all of her charisma checks. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. Back at the orphanage, <laughs> Miss Drunk Again is listening to her romance show and the kids are laughing and mocking her. Because uh, she's making out with the radio. Like, uh, no. <laughs> and we Radio get... don't even got a face. <laughs> but I like the way it buzzes and hums. We get this... <laughs> we get this drunken sad song as Drunk Again is like whining about how much she hates little girls oh, and why little she's... Girl. Little girls everywhere I turn, I can see them. And why she's not getting laid. Mm-hmm. The song ends with her screaming as two intruders are watching her lounge around drunkenly in her underwear. Who are these two strangers, I hear you ask? Why, it's the cock of the walk Tim Curry <laughs> and the god-tier uh, Bernetta Peters. Here to... Bernadette Peters? What did I say? Bernetta I don't know why I can't read today, like, more than other days. It, I have disadvantage on all of my reading roles. Uh, yes. God tier, Bernadette Peters. Tim Curry and Bernadette Peters are here to beg slash steal slash beg steal money from Mrs. Drunk again. Tim Curry is Hannigan's dickhead brother, Rooster. And Bernadette is cosplaying as a hotel. It's It's really weird. Anyways. Rooster, Rooster, Rooster just got out of jail, see, yeah, and he put down some money on this sweet horse, you see, yeah, and the horse was eight to one, and the horse won, but before he could get down to cash his money in, you see, the place was closed, but he's got $80 coming to him, guaranteed, he just needs a fiver to make it until the morning. But Drunk Again tells him to go fuck himself, she's not giving him five bucks. And while she's telling him to fuck off, Hotel is stealing some of her shit. While Dunk, while uh, Drunk Again is reclaiming her shit from Hotel, Rooster is pilfering Drunk Again's wallet. And the two make off before Drunk Again realizes it. I mean, she does eventually realize it, and she screams, Rooster! But it's far too late. The cock has walked away with her money. Man, so glad I don't have that relationship with my sister. I'd have to kill her. Anyways, back at the orphans, they're singing the song that Annie was singing in the opening number about parents that they wish they had. But Annie isn't there to sing along with them, and the kids are all sad and shit. Like, if you gave them a cape, they'd be super sad. (laughs) We cut to Annie in the mansion, and her orphan sense is tingling. (laughs) 
communist is here to kill Warbucks with a bomb. But luckily, the rich white man has magical Indian and kung fu master bodyguards who dispose of the bomb and God dispatch damn. the would-be assassin who, uh... This is Grace's words. He wants to kill Warbucks because the American system of capitalism is so amazing and successful that they don't want it getting out. Um, this is really stupid. Uh -huh. Like, really fucking uh -huh. stupid to say that. This, this image of, like, we have to kill this billionaire. Otherwise, this whole capitalism thing mm. might get out. And he, other people might hear about it. He is a sign that it's working. Jesus Christ. Like, this is... That scene... Because when it started happening, I was like, okay, that's right. That's because that scene does not happen in any of the other adaptations of this that I can remember. Because now my mind is seriously going, wait, what am I remembering correctly? Um, but that is purely from the comics. Yeah. That is completely comics. Oh, oh, oh. in all of your, your researching was... Uh... Was dead as shit, gray, the fuck face comic guy. Was he also anti-Semitic? Not that, that I could find. I was just curious because in my... Well, I've had to take a hiatus because of Twitter <laughs> suspending me. Um, <laughs> but in my, my escapades of arguing with Nazis online, usually the only time I ever see the word Bolshevik mentioned is mm -hmm. when they're specifically mentioning Jewish yes. communists. Yeah. And they call... The guy that tries to assassinate a Bolshevik uh, calls him yeah. a Bolshevik. So I wasn't sure if just because of my dealing with those groups that I they were saying that because they're like a Jewish communist tried to kill. I'm him. not sure. I mean, they they do give him. There are some <laughs> really really problematic moments in this particular movie that make you go. This was 1982. Like, even for 1982. Yeah. We've watched a lot of 80s movies recently with your family, and they don't come close to this. They really don't. This one really was, and I don't know if it's because they're pulling from older source material that was way more racist. Maybe, but like, holy fuck. Like, you're, we're gonna get to it with Punjab, but there's some... Mm. Jesus Christ. But anyway, no, I'm I'm pretty sure that that was because there's so much stuff from the comics in this one in particular, because, again, the Asp and Punjab are not in any other version of Annie. They are not in any other version. They are only in this and in the comics. So this was trying to be closer to the comics, which is so weird to me. Yeah. <laughs> Just stick with the musical. My God. <laughs> so, you know, speaking of Punjab, you know what else is stupid? The next scene where Punjab is fucking levitating a toy plane <laughs> and flying it around the room while Annie is playing with another toy plane and stomping around on Warbuck's desk while he's trying to work. Oh, yeah, and there was a scene in between where Annie is talking to Warbucks while they're both swimming, and it only serves as to be like, Miss Grace likes you, and I know you like her. Yeah. Anyways, Annie is pissing off Warbucks, who sends her away. Initially, Annie wants to go to Washington to meet the president, but is convinced instead to go see a movie. Actually, Annie manipulates the fuck out of Warbucks, <laughs> who decides to buy out the entire 8 o'clock showing, and is like, 
then let's all go to the movies. And the thing that I did think was kind of annoying about that uh-huh. is when they do go to the theater, it's a huge motherfucking theater, mm-hmm. and they are, like, the only four people in it, with yeah. three people in it. And why not, like, invite more of your staff? Because he's... You already bought out the theater. Yeah. Why not have more of your... Because, you, you know, they're leaving. They talk about, give the maid the night off, you know, because they're not going to be there and shit like that. It's like, you could at yeah. least extend the invitation. I already bought out the entire theater, but it's just for me, my assistant, and my potentially future adopted daughter. And I could Poonja. invite the rest... Well, Poonja. He's my bodyguard. There could be Bolsheviks at the movie theater trying to kill me with a bomb because I'm <gasps> so successful. God damn. But, yeah. Okay, okay, yes. So, cut to Annie and Grace getting all dolled up to go to the movies, and they sing about how excited they are, complete with flourishes and panty shots. The gang goes to the private showing of some fucking movie, and all the ushers and shit are like, Welcome to the movies! Sit your ass down and watch! And they sit down to watch a fucking live stage show instead uh-huh. of a movie because of how long it takes for this number to shut the fuck up. Yep. God, I found this particular number to be so annoying. Mm-hmm. The, the meta of this is really weird because you're watching a movie about characters going to watch a movie mm-hmm. and there's a thing telling them to watch a movie. So it's like, imagine if you're reading a book and the character you were reading about is reading a book that's telling them to read a book. (laughs) (laughs) So Warren sat here reading his notes, and as he's reading his notes, his notes told him to read his notes. Read his notes about reading the notes, Warren. Yeah, this... I I remember even as a kid checking out during this scene, <laughs> just kind of like, okay, oh, it's still going. Oh, this is a good time to go get a sandwich. Yeah, time time to go get one of those loft house cookies that I love so much. <laughs> that if anyone says they're trash, then they're wrong. Then I will kill them and take their cookies. I'll take uh, the loft house cookies. They can give me theirs. So, um, but yeah, it. And not only that, but the movie that they take Annie to is a fucking Greta Garbo-like romantic drama. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. I don't know anything about any of the people in that movie. Yeah, I, I just know it was a rom-drom. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that there were other movies that would have been much more interesting to a child in the 30s than that. But then again, this was also part of Annie's 10D mental chess game to try and hook Warbucks up with Grace. She she really was just doing that to make sure that by the end of the movie she'd have two parents. See, Annie Annie is like uh, uh, Dolly from Hello, Dolly. And she's she just is. the master manipulator, just manipulating everybody in this situation to achieve Warren, what she wants. She is Dolly. No, because that takes place before. She traveled she... in time. Oh. Mm. Mm. Because Punjab. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, all, all you have to say is because of Punjab, because <laughs> we don't know the extent of that Indian man's magical powers, but that that seals the deal. That sealed the deal. Punjab and his magical powers sent the, Annie back the in Trinidadian time to be Dolly. playing an Indian man. The Trinidad- yes. <laughs> Oh, so. So, God. Which makes it even worse. Uh, 
Of... She is literally, literally a magical Negro. <laughs> he is literally a magical Negro. And it may, I just, ugh. ugh. I hate it so it's much. It's making me sit here. I hate it so much. And look back on my childhood and just go, holy fucking shit oh god this movie is so problematic okay so so even towards the end yeah yep my god so they're watching some black and white drama and i don't care grace cries warbucks gives her a hanky and annie falls asleep during this rom no-com Warbucks, to his credit, is sweet and carries Annie out and puts her in bed and it's touching. The next morning, Grace is in all yellow with her hair down and is able to charm Warbucks into keeping Annie. And Warbucks starts to fall for Grace and he's like, You're pretty when you're arguing with me. And call me Oliver. And your teeth are crooked. But I like it. And if you want Annie so bad... Then I'll subdue my rage hard on for money and power and capitalism <laughs> just a little so that we can adopt Annie. And Grace is so happy with it, she goes out and dances with the entire staff, and they all sing about how, We got Annie! And the song ends. But not before we get a racist song and dance yeah, moment yeah. with Asp and Punjab. My Yay! Fucking Christ. I was almost worried we'd miss out on that. Because, oh. like, they ha- I just. This is an example of it, is it's when she's dancing with white people, the music is consistent, Mm -hmm. and it's just the same bit. And then as soon as she goes with Punjab or Asp, the music changes to be like, now it's Indian, now it's Asian. Like, Mm -hmm. it... Yeah, and... Though what was great was when she's dancing with all of the white servants at one point. One of them, or two of them are trying to snap to the beat, and they're just not. They are not on the beat at all. And it was the funniest damn thing, because they're just like, ah, the 2014 one would never. (laughs) It would never. My God. Uh. Oh, man. But but, uh, Grace, and that scene was one bit that reminded me that grace was one of the best parts of the movie even growing up i agree because Anne uh ryan king was yeah she was brilliant and she was beautiful and she was very talented beautiful voice and other than the god damn the instrumental when it went to aspen punjab other than that it was really good it was a great number yeah Fair. It really was. It just kind of had that steep decline where it was mm-hmm. like, this is great and racism. Yeah. And uh, that number in the stage version is different, as is the case in most of this movie. Um, and that number is the one improvement, I would say, over the stage version. Okay. But the even then, it's, on, it's probably only because of Anne it's probably only because of her that it's an improvement. <laughs> I will have to take your word for it until I am until shown otherwise. Say it. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, Warbucks, Warbucks, goddammit. <laughs> I love it. Warbucks shows up to adopt Annie and Miss Drunk again pulls the, pulls out all of the stops to try and fuck Warbucks. But Warbucks is too busy and rich to fuck. 
I guess. Too <laughs> busy fucking the working class anyways. Uh. Drunk again attempts to seduce Warbucks, but she fails, and Warbucks is like, I've had you followed, and we've got all this dirt on you. So sign the adoption papers, or you'll go to jail. <laughs> and Drunk Again sings them, signs them. <laughs> Drunk Again signs the papers as she sits in bathtub gin. She rolled a one. <laughs> Back at the manor, Warbucks is about to ask Annie for her hand in daughterhood. And he <laughs> gives her a recounting of his own life. Because he's like, maybe you should get to know me more before mm -hmm. we decide. And, and talks about how... He was born a poor English boy in Liverpool, and after his brother died of pneumonia, he vowed he'd be rich someday, very rich, and at twelve, he signed on as a cabin boy on a ship bound for America, and by twenty-one, he had made his first million. No explanation, he just did, <laughs> and then ten years later, he made a hundred million. But having all that money and shit doesn't mean shit unless you give a shit about a little shit to share your shit with. Understand? Huh, and there is a beautiful song that will be in the next one, uh, if I remember right. It's in the stage version, and I'm pretty sure it's in the next version we're watching as well, that uh, Warbucks sings during this scene. And I was so sad to be like, that's right, Albert Finney, they didn't have him sing that song in this. And it it's such a good song that leads to, like, ha, ah, ah, what could have been with this one? What could have been? We Instead, we got the goddamn Dumb Dog and Sandy songs <laughs> and the Sign the Papers song and... We could have had this. We could have had NYC. We could have had... Hell, we could have even had the Herbert Hoover one. And that would have been fine. Like, my God, movie. Well, one, my God. One thing I will say, though, I do like uh, uh, the acting of the guy that plays Warbucks. Oh, yeah. he, he does a great job. And uh, yeah. there's a scene later that I particularly liked with him at the radio station. Mm -hmm. But um, mm -hmm. one thing that really annoyed me is this, this character... Because the source material really wants to jerk off capitalism as being mm -hmm. super great. But when Warbucks is talking about becoming rich, he talks about that he's hurt a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So he's aware that yes. by achieving his wealth, he is hurting people. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because he's got wealth and power and stuff. So it was, but it just it really bothers me because it's like you try to there's so many people who try to have the who pull the blinders over and be like, oh, no, it it does nothing but promote mm. growth and, and productivity and all this stuff. And he's like, yeah, I know that I fucked over a lot of people and yeah. a lot of people got hurt, but have you seen my house? Mm -hmm. And that's one of the changes that the musical makes to the source material because he's definitely not aware of that in the comics mm. from what I was seeing. That's Whereas uh, I think the musical they're trying to make him a little bit more it, like they're relatable, they're having maybe. him more relatable and having his character actually grow as well because hmm. in the comics you know he starts from the i love this kid and you need to have him in the musical grow into i love this kid and through that you also have him going okay i'll help you out with the new deal and okay, maybe I should be a little bit more charitable and blah, 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 blah. And it's, I think that that's just an invention for the musical. And 
makes it a little bit more enjoyable than the comic strip. Yeah, no kidding. Just what you're talking about, the comics. And you know what? I could never read the comic strip because of Annie's soulless, dead eyes. All of the characters. No. All of no. them. No. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. okay, okay. Anyways, Warbucks tells Annie he wants to adopt her. But Annie is like, No, I have a mother and father who will come back for me, and I've got to find them. And Warbucks is like, Well, fuck, we're going to find them. <laughs> and then he proceeds to yell at all of his people to get the important people, because they've got to find Annie's folks. We cut to Annie and Warbucks in a radio station as they have the magic of radio shattered before them <laughs> by seeing the, the behind-the-scenes stuff. Anyways, Warbucks gives the news that he's offering 50,000 Depression-era dollars to <laughs> Annie's parents, and we see Miss Drunk again, drunk again, in bath in the bathtub gin, and I already know where this is going. She's going to get her dick of a brother and his hotel girlfriend to pose as Annie's parents to get the money. Mm-hmm. Anyways, after the orphans sing, after the orphans sing a happy song, and Drunk Again comes in to be like, I hate happiness! The scene changes to Warbucks Manor as crowds of people are gathered outside, showing up to try and capitalize on that reward money. Now, when you were growing up, did you ever hear you're never fully dressed without a smile or... No! What? Really? What is that? That's the song they were singing. Oh. You're never fully dressed without a smile. Fuck, I guess Your I've been naked a lot maybe of the time. Your Bromley, they stand at a mile. But brother, you're never fully dressed without a smile. Very nice. Why, thank you. Um, yeah, that was a song that was a staple when I was a kid, and it's... I'm pretty sure it's <laughs> just a, from this. It's entirely possible I did hear it, but it never like stuck. Even, it just bounced off my brain. Even in elementary school, would be like that was a song that they would be like, "Okay, we're gonna sing this song today," and it was probably a case of musical theater teacher or musical theater fan teacher trying to indoctrinate the children and doing so successfully. Because, <clears throat> very possible. yo. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that would never have worked with me because they would have been like, okay, Warren, try singing this. Ah, okay, stop. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, but I want to talk about that scene, though. The acting is really great on part of Warbucks because, you know, he, he's never been on mm-hmm. radio before, so he's, like, reading the script, and he'll be like, He'll be reading a script, then he turns him to be like, "Would I actually say it?" And they're just like turning him back, uh-huh. and then this he's reading is live motherfucker. Yeah, and he's reading the uh, the descriptor parts mm-hmm. of it. Warbucks continues, you know, kind of thing. Warbucks Drop. interrupts. Yeah. Drop page, you kind of thing. And then at the end, he reads the sponsor for the toothpaste, yes. and then he turns. He's like, "Did I just read an ad?" It's just, <laughs> that part. That was one of my favorite parts. It was just. It was that. It was that. Uh, uh, I don't know, it was, just, it was played straight and the comedy was, was so, so good. good. If you it. would have updated that now, it would have been, he'd be going into, and then if you want to play Raid Shadow Legends. Yeah. yeah. Play Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> Join now to get your better lord character. Did I just read an ad? <clears throat> God, I miss musicals. <laughs> Anyways... Punjab is levitating shit again because all Indian people have magic powers, as the British are well aware. (laughs) When Grace comes in to be like, 
you're going to meet the president, Annie. Come on. And they rush out of the room. I love, I love Jeffrey Holder. I love Jeffrey Holder so much. But could they not have at least gotten an Indian actor? (laughs) Right? (laughs) I mean, they got an Asian guy to play Asp. They didn't paint a white guy or anything. At least they did. Okay. Okay. Yeah. At least they didn't paint a white guy. But, (laughs) again, they've (laughs) tried. Well, and then again, with Asp, here I am being like, at least they got an Asian guy. And I'm sure the Asian people are like, we're not all the same, Warren. However, Asp in the comic is. Is He is is just. Generic Asian. Generic Asian. Like, they. He is the character that they played the straightest with casting. <laughs> because well, he doesn't say, like, anything. He's just no, there to no. do spin kicks yeah. and beat up Jewish communists. Yeah, they played him as straighter than any other character in the comic. Mm. That is pretty much what he was for. And he was, <laughs> like, I am not kidding when I tell you that reading about these characters and looking at comic pages and stuff fucking ruined my childhood (laughs) i'm glad i could be a part of the destruction of your childhood memories i did not know (laughs) and i did not know how bad it was and also how straight the 82 movie plays it yeah my god so so yeah so grace pulls annie to uh go meet the president and we see annie flying onto the white house lawn in an autocopter and a little uh in shock from the whole experience, <laughs> Warbucks comes over to take off her helmet and goggles, and she's just like staring straight ahead, wide eyed, just like, <laughs> just like, I was flying in the air in a car with a big saw blade. <laughs> it's like if Latte was an elk. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's true. She had like the Latte shakes. Oh, mm-hmm. poor Latte. We got some thunder outside and, yeah. and it's making the dog sad. Yeah. So, but yes. Anyways, uh, my prediction from earlier happens and Rooster shows up with uh, with his hotel girlfriend mm-hmm. and Miss Drunk again uh, to get the help of Miss Drunk again to get backstory about Annie so that uh, they can be Annie's parents. Hmm. But it turns out uh, Annie's parents died in a fire, and the cops brought over all their stuff, and including the other half of the locket that Annie has that she says she will use to identify her real parents. Seems so fucked up. And when they show up, yeah, they'll use to, uh, when they try to claim her. An orphan working in the bathroom overhears the evil plan through the vent and is like, I mean, Annie! (laughs) Anyways, the drunk again, Rooster and Hotel song about living on Easy Street goes on way too long, in my opinion. It finally ends, and the orphan cleaning the bathroom smacks the shitty one, Pepper, in the face with a mop, and then runs to tell the other orphans about Miss Drunk Again's evil plan. The kids try to sneak away to warn Annie, but are captured and locked in the closet by the shitty adults. Back at Annie and the autocopter, they land back at the manor, and Annie rushes up to Grace to be like, Are they here? Are my parents here? Did they bring me a brother or sister and a doll and a cozy house with a white picket fence and a puppy brother for Sandy? Are they here? (laughs) Are all my dreams coming true at long last? Grace shakes her head no, and then instead hands Annie an urn. Jesus Christ! My help! 
<laughs> or so my fucked up brain imagines as I giggle and write this note. But no, Grace shakes her head no and says that they have not found Annie's parents yet. And Annie gets all sad and shit and Warbucks goes to comfort her. So I think, did I miss uh, Yeah, okay, I did miss a line, so I got to go back real quick. Um, after they land on the White House lawn in the autocopter, they go uh, uh, to talk to the President Roosevelt. And with the help of Annie, Roosevelt is able to convince Warbucks to manage the park system with Annie, who will recruit child labor. Annie sings the, Tomorrow, tomorrow, I guess I'll convince all of the children to work uh song annie's junior commandos (laughs) oh my god you're right you're so right like i said this sticks very closely to the comics compared to the others (laughs) so back at the closet for naughty orphans minus fdr killing daddy warbucks that doesn't happen (laughs) (laughs) which People have said that uh, Harold Gray probably was rotating in his grave like a rotisserie chicken. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's because uh, I say that he was rotating. in hell, and Satan stuck a spit up his ass and is slowly roasting him yeah. over an open fire. I say he would have been rotating in his grave. Most people that I was seeing stuff were like, oh, he would have probably not appreciated that FDR and Daddy Warbucks came together with on a common ground. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's like... Nah, he's he's rotating in his grave like a chicken. Mmm, <laughs> rotisserie chicken. Back at the closet of naughty yeah. orphans, the orphans <laughs> hatch a plan to escape the closet and are able to tip a shelf and then scale up it and through the ceiling and onto the roof. And then they start to scale down the side of the building like ninja spider orphans. <laughs> at the Warbucks estate, the shitty, shitty liars show up to lie about being Annie's parents, and of course, they have all the right answers and the secret locket. Annie's bullshit detector is going on full blast, but she can't not believe it, cause locket, and birth certificate, and not being dead in a fire. Anyways, Annie oh. goes Annie goes away uh, with her fake family, before their ten feet outside of the manor gate, Miss Dunk, uh, Miss Drunk again shows up and hops in the car, and they all cackle evilly about their plan succeeding as they speed away. Which they do that, and the guard that was at the gate is still fucking in. Yeah, the he's shot. like ten feet away. He is like he he, he couldn't be like uh uh. I just heard Annie say help, Daddy Warbucks. Uh, yeah, and these these they were talking about money. And, um, yeah. there's three of them. Uh, sir? Sir, I think you've been swindled, sir. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I guess they just needed to have their dramatic climax later, but my god. Oh, baby, there's nothing better than a dramatic climax. I mean, it is, she is climbing up it anyway. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, do that motion again, Kat. No. <laughs> the pat. Okay, uh, so... The pack of ninja spider orphans that have been running around New York City trying to find Warbucks Manor are about to give up when the evil car full of evil people and Annie stops and the kids notice Sandy 
calling to the dog. They're like, Sandy, lead us to Warbucks. And the dog does. The spider kids tell Warbucks that Annie's been kidnapped by bad people and all hell breaks loose. Warbucks calls in everyone to find little orphan Annie. Just like the comic. <laughs> I See? want every G-man west of... East of the Mississippi on this in 20 minutes. See, there's a reason that I had to go through all that stuff for the comic. <laughs> See, more than just ruining your childhood or an mm. aspect of your childhood. It's just like with Peter Pan. You gotta have that background of what the fuck is it. <laughs> Again, Peter Pan. After He's every a bird. <laughs> part bird. He's part bird. After every... and, a... and he's a baby. He's seven days old forever. Yep. He's seven-day-old forever half-bird boy. Uh, (laughs) After everyone is driving and flying for a while, Annie is able to escape her kidnappers. They give chase, however, and head onto a train track. Annie starts to climb up the raised bridge like a ladder, and Miss Drunkigan actually develops a conscience for a moment and tries to stop Rooster, who is intent on killing Annie but catches one of Rooster's spurs to her drunken face and decides to take a surprise nap on the floor. So, all the rich white man's cops and all the rich white man's people of color close in on where Annie is and Poonjob is tying a sheet or something around one of the legs of the... He unwraps oh, his turban. Oh, okay. Unwraps his... T- I was yeah. wondering where the fuck he got a sheet. I was yeah. like, do they just no. keep a sheet in the autocopter in case they get chilly while they're flying and they can wrap themselves up in a blanket? Like, this scene has stuck in my mind for my entire... Like, from the time that I first watched this to now, this scene is stuck in my mind whenever I think of this movie. Okay, I guess that does make sense because he doesn't have his turban when he's no. rescuing her. So, okay, that, no. that that fills in some gaps in my yeah. brain. Okay, so yes. So, uh, so Poonjab uh, ties his turban around one of the legs of the autocopter and gets close and he lowers himself down and grabs Annie. Rooster gets yeeted down the bridge and right into police custody. Annie, saved and reunited with Warbucks and Grace... We then cut to Annie and Warbucks singing about being reunited, and there is, like, a fucking carnival going on in in celebration, and Warbucks and Annie just dance around all the fire jugglers and acrobats and shit. Oh, and FDR is there eating cotton candy with Eleanor. His cousin! (laughs) While watching Warbucks and Annie tap dance. For a second I thought I wrote fap dance. (laughs) Which... Boy, does that change the meaning. Uh, <laughs> talking about epic climax. Uh, uh, yes, so uh, Warbucks and I Annie myself for doing that too. are tap dancing and singing about how they don't need anything but each other. Oh, and Miss Drunk Again is there riding an elephant and flirting with Poonjob and... Uh, Poonjob, buddy, you can do better. Don't fuck that train wreck, bro. You're magic. You can get, like, not a child-abusing whore. Anyways, the touching... They had to keep her in there. Why? Because of the sequel. Wait, sequel to this one? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Oh, God, I was hoping this one was a one This is not part of the Annie Smackdown, right? No. Okay. No, because it's not... It is technically not a musical. 
Only Tomorrow gets sung, like, at the very end. But it is supposed to be a sequel to this movie. It's called Annie, A Royal Adventure. Okay, I'm okay not watching that one. Yeah, yeah. Because if they... But it exists, and someone who wants to do that, y'all can... Y'all can go fucking watch that, because I want... I don't think I made it through the whole movie. Oh, wow. I don't... Because I think that I realized it wasn't a musical, and I was like, I don't like this. Yeah. And it was 95. And I was like, I don't like this. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyways... To keep in mind... The sequels for Land Before Time, <laughs> I watched. <laughs> Multiple times yes. you did. <laughs> that is something I will not be doing no. ever. Anyways, the touching scene concludes with Warbucks giving Annie her new rich person locket and telling her and her telling him that she loves him. Warbucks kisses Grace and Annie... Wait. Oh yeah. Warbucks kisses Grace and Annie, Warbucks, Grace, and Sandy watch as green screen fireworks shoot all over the manor in an epic climax. Roll credits. The end. And Sandy loses his fucking shit. (laughs) Ow! 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 That's really loud! Ow! What made me laugh, though, though, was the fact that you can tell that it's green screen fireworks. That they're all looking up at, at... the night sky above the manor and there's fireworks shooting off and it's very obviously Green not screen. really there yeah <laughs> so at least they didn't traumatize the dog sure i mean i mean they kind of do in earlier scenes but tying the cans to his tail and shit oh, and... i missed that too it's it's okay it's good that you missed that that's sad yeah no when i was that bothered me as a kid i'm like a poor dog. What the fuck? No dogs were harmed in the making of this film, but they sure were disrespected. Mm-hmm. Yes, they were. I wonder what that dog's doing now. Probably living in a nice retirement after that little orphan Annie money. On a nice, comfy, memory foam mattress surrounded by cookies and, uh, and plush toys. Watching the dog channel that's for dogs. Yes, that is exactly what he's doing now. Drinking dog champagne. Surrounded by his hot dog girlfriend. Yes, all of his hot dog girlfriends. That's totally what he's doing now. Totally. (laughs) It's totally not like 40 years after that movie was filmed. Holy shit, you're right. (laughs) Fuck. Okay. I made myself sad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's okay yeah i'm glad to be doing regular musicals again yeah me too uh, i'm also glad to get to a good version of annie mm-hmm. one that is not middling yeah please tell me that we will be seeing one that is not middling we're gonna be seeing one that's got another uh tone deaf alumnus in it from godspell as well as Movie? Yes, it'll be mo- These are all movies. Well, I mean, like the the oh the, the movie the, the alumnist. No, yeah, yeah, the alumnist. Were they from the movie version? Yes, they were from the movie version of Godspell. Uh, this will also be, I think, your first time. I'm pretty sure this will be your first time seeing Audra McDonald, who I've talked about before, and I don't know if you remember that or not. You're gonna pop my McDonald cherry. I'm gonna pop your McDonald cherry in an epic climax. <sighs> 
<laughs> oh my god. Um, but yeah, we're we're gonna be covering the 1999 Disney made-for-TV movie version of Annie. Man, I can't believe Disney's popping cherries on public on cable TV. Um, well, cables where you do it, so not on not on not on like you you got like adult cable and then you got like kid. Cable. You weren't watching Disney Channel after dark. It, <laughs> shit got wild. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> all the kids have gone to bed <laughs> now it's time <laughs> hey donald is that a corkscrew <laughs> <laughs> okay after you're done popping open the wine you can pop me open <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we're watching the made for TV version of Annie. Yes. <laughs> Done by Disney. Yes. So the mouse will have his hands all over it. Yes. Now get out there and make me some goddamn money, Annie. Ha <laughs> ha. Aren't you glad you have Disney Plus? Ha <laughs> ha. It's one of the only reasons to have it is for the musicals that we're holding hostage. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm glad we're stealing Disney Plus. I'll say that. <laughs> it's not stealing oh, Mama Kay's staying with us. It, I, I'm sure he, we are using a Disney Plus account that is not coming from our bank account. Let's put it that way. And I'm sure the mouse would see that as stealing. But you know yeah. what? Fuck you, mouse. Mickey. Mickey. Mama Kay is the one with the subscription, and she's staying with us, so I think that it's only fair that we use her subscription while she's here. <laughs> and then we're going to get uh, uh, the the Disney Enforcer bots that burst through the window, and they're like the Kool-Aid man, but they're like, oh no! <laughs> I do not want to have to do the Foley work for that, so, <laughs> <laughs> so no, we're not. <laughs> Peel back the curtain a little bit. <laughs> anyway... Peel back the curtain to the beginning of the episode with me. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I love you. So so yeah, we will be doing a hopefully better version of Annie next week. I didn't get to watch this one as much as I watched this version that we just saw, but that was just because of the era that it came out in. You were you were a busy kid. That yeah, era. I was a busy kid in that era, so I didn't get to watch it as much as I would have liked. But yeah. We will be doing the 1999 Annie. Yay! Thank you all so much for listening to this. Aren't you glad we're finally back to musicals that are <sighs> good musicals I know I am. and not animated abominations? Oh, fucking hell. I'm so glad to be done with Lab Before Time. Uh-huh. Oh, and we never have to touch felt, them again. It felt like felt like it went on forever. Yeah, but they're done. We don't have to do them again. It's so great. I'm so happy. And Con and Dor are vanquished, probably being roasted over a spit by the elder ancient Condor gods. Thank you, Pidge, for chasing away the Condor yes, gods. Yes, thank you, Pidge. You're a wonderful cat. Meow. Uh, yes. So, 
Thank you all so much for listening. If you'd like to reach out to Kay and myself, you can do so at our home base, which is ToneDeafMusical.com. There we have links to all of our social medias, our Twitters, our dis- our Twitters, our Instagrams, our Facebooks, as well as a link to the Cast Junkie Discord server where we have our own Not Safe for Work channel. Please feel free to stop by, say hi, talk about musical theater, or just shoot the shit in general. Yes, and if you want to help out the show, you can do so by going to whichever podcast app you're using and going to where they have where you can do reviews and shit. And I want you to do a five-star review. You can say anything in that five-star review. You can say which Annie movie is your favorite Annie movie. Is it the 1982 version? Is it the 1999 version? Or will it be the superior? 2014 version you know which tell, one will it be tell us the, t- say that a uh, tone deaf gives you an epic climax T- yes okay okay yes <laughs> yes <laughs> rewind rewind <laughs> so if you want to help out the show you can do so by going to wherever you get your podcast hitting five stars and saying this in your review Tone Deaf gives me an epic climax. Yes, say Tone Deaf gives me an epic climax. Uh, That'll help us out getting up in the charts and everything. It really helps out the show. If you want to go above and beyond, you can do so by going to our Patreon, which is Tone Deaf Musical. There we have different tiers where you can get bonus episodes. You can get your name read on the show, uh, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, You can also go to our Public, which has tangible ways of showing your love. There are sales all the time on Public, which is nice. Uh, You can get your masks, your hat, or no hats right now, goodness. You can get your masks, you can get your shirts, you can get cell phone stuff, stickers, all sorts of fun stuff there. Yeah, they've got little cell phone cases on there. Do they do beanies? No, and I wish Hmm. they did. I would wear a tone-deaf beanie. I've been tempted to set up a secondary shop to set up for beanies because yeah maybe i'll do that maybe i'll do that on anyway on downtime anyways (laughs) thank you all again so much for listening for sticking through us uh we did hit a milestone recently of ten thousand downloads which is awesome so yay um here's to ten thousand more yeah yeah Anyway, thank you all so much for listening. That'll be it for this week. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. And this has been Tone Deaf. Deaf.